fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> we do awesome work. And there's like a bunch of zoomy, like, I, I don't yeah. know. You're listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. Hey guys, this is uh, Alex again with Mouthwash. Uh, today we are here with more guests than we've ever had before, uh, which is cool. Um, we're also like spread all across to America right now. Uh, Abe and I are in Dallas. Mackenzie's in Chicago. What's up, guys? Wait, you're not in Dallas. We're I'm, in LA. I'm in LA. You're right. <laughs> I was like, wait, what the heck? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it's been a long day. Um, anyways, we say hi, please. Hi. <laughs> Hello from Los Angeles. From Los Angeles. Cool. Um, today we're uh, we're talking with a really cool group of guests uh, and something that I think is interesting is that um, I don't know a lot about them. Um, I just know they have awesome work. Um, just something that we've been trying to dive more into is kind of stepping into people that are, are a little bit more unfamiliar to us um, and they're coming from a design practice more. Um, but we're talking to the people of All Right Studio. So we have uh, Garrett. Um, what's up, man? How's it going? Uh, and then we have Hope. Hello. And Ian. Hi. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're, we're talking to them and uh, just kind of, again, hammering this idea of what it looks like to take like um, more of like a, just kind of an art practice into like an entrepreneurial state. So how do we kind of take our craft and create create it um to be a little bit more profitable for us something that we've kind of we're kind of building something bigger than just the art itself um so yeah like do you guys make kenzie and abraham have any thoughts preemptive thoughts going into this again i'm just excited uh y'all are our first design group that we have on here so i'm super excited about that i personally do graphic design out of this group and i'm super stoked to chat with y'all yeah, I guess my only uh, question would be is um, how you guys have come, kind of come about and all come together. I know it's um, pretty unique how we all three came together. Um, so I'm really interested to hear how you guys kind of joined forces. Yeah, I think um, that's a story that goes back a few years, actually. It kind of starts with, um, well, in, in two directions. Uh, Hope and myself are married. Um We've been married for six years uh, yesterday, actually. Um, nice. Congrats. Well, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess the easiest way to do this was, I'll, I guess I'll start from my end. Um, I, uh, I briefly went to school for graphic design. Um, I originally actually wanted to go for, um, for music recording or, or something similar um, and kind of got into graphic design and... Um, Basically, I, I met Hope at school, and then through a couple, you know, turns of events, uh, we both dropped out and sort of went back to our respective states because we were both in a school that was um, different from where our families were. And uh, fast forward a few years, um, Hope's sort of in the web development game, um, and I'm still pretty firmly graphic designer. And so we start working on some projects, and um, we, we actually had a, a really short-lived company with a friend of ours who... Uh, now lives in Santa Barbara, a really good photographer named Matt Douglas. Um, and that was our first sort of foray into what 
we thought could be a graphic design studio, even though we didn't really know what it was at the time. Um, we were really young. And uh, so we'd been working off and on for a while, even worked at the same places for a while. Um, and I met Ian um, on Dribble. Um, I had <laughs> I had just gotten a job at a company here in New York called Charity Water. Um, and I was about to move to New York City. And uh, I had liked Ian's work on Dribble for a while. Like uh, I thought he was doing some interesting stuff that, that no one else was doing. And he was on a a cross-country road trip, I believe, and uh, we met up in Austin and hung out and sort of just kept in touch. And then, you know, through a few more respective job changes and various events, um, we all sort of came together at the beginning of this year um, as as a three-person practice. Nice. So you guys have been doing this for less than a year then, right? Uh, yeah, we officially filed the paperwork to be an LLC, I think, in December of 2017. Dang, yeah. that's like official. It's pretty, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> <in> the LLC. <laughs> yeah, we had two LLCs for a minute there. Oh yeah, uh, one with that's yeah. another story. Yeah, that's a long story. <laughs> Wait, I, I want to hear. It. We're here. To, we're here to hear the stories. Oh, yeah. This is what we're here for. <laughs> well, there's a little, little synopsis. <laughs> the, well, there's sort of a there was an OG design studio that Ian and I sort of were taking on a few projects here and there with called Mono Mono. Um, I think that. I forget why we chose that name, but we chose it because um, <laughs> we originally took the name uh, Dad Jokes. Was that the? Nice. Yes. Yeah. And then Mono Mono was on a list of replacement yeah. names. Yeah. We, we found out that some friends and I, friends of ours who actually I don't think they go by this name anymore, but they were going by Dad Jokes and we we didn't want to, um, you know, steal their name. So we, we chose Mono Mono. Um, but yeah, so there, that was an LLC uh, at the same time that All Right was, and All Right was Hope and I, and Mono Mono was Ian and I, and we just got f- we got fed up with with having so many companies. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, it was it was stressful. Um, cool. So, just really quick, um, I would love to hear like where each of you guys grew up, and then because you're all living in New York right now, correct? Yes, correct. Okay, so where did you all grow up? and or go to school? Well, I grew up in Nashville, uh, outside of Nashville, my whole life until went to school in Ohio. And then... Wait, where'd you go to school in Ohio? Where? Yeah. <laughs> um, a tiny private school called Cedarville. Cool. At, I, uh, went to, I went to Capital University outside of Columbus. Okay. This was between Dayton and Columbus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Amazing. Sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. I no, just no. Yeah, I would say <laughs> that I, I wouldn't align myself with that school uh, <laughs> anymore uh, strongly. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I went to school, uh, university in Ohio for two years, and I met Garrett there. And then uh, we both dropped out, uh, moved back to Tennessee, then moved over to Missouri to be with Garrett. And then we got married. And we've been moving around since then. <laughs> we cool. we lived in about three places in Missouri. And then um, we moved to Austin, Texas for a year. And then we moved up to Brooklyn. And we've been here for three years. So, Cool. Um, I feel like New York is probably the, the best in most ways out of all of those places. <laughs> yeah, we like it the best so far. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Not Austin? I, I thought... I, I, thought have a, it, I, I mean, I'm torn. 
I love Austin, but it's just so hot there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Like summer, summer never ends there, right? No, it's all the time. Right. It's yeah. forever. Right. Sweaty. Uh, I'm from Texas, so I, I'm a big Austin guy, but it does get pretty damn hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nashville's pretty hot and humid, but I was surprised by Austin. <laughs> Ian, where are you from, man? Um, I am from a town in Virginia uh, called Roanoke. It's like, if you're familiar with any Virginia cities, it's like four to five hours south of D.C. It's about three to three and a half hours south of Richmond. And if you're familiar with the Charlottesville dealio, uh, recently, it's like two, mm. two and a half hours uh, from mm. that. And cool. I actually finished uh, relocating to Brooklyn with my wife, uh, what, two, three weeks ago? I think it was like, yeah. On maybe. the first. Yeah. On the first. Yeah. yeah. All kinds of transitions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the reason like why we we ask that question a lot is uh, I think it's really interesting because I I grew up in Ohio in the Midwest and Abe is from Texas and McKinsey's outside of from outside of Chicago and I think there's a lot of like influence um, in the work that we create now based on where we grew up in some ways I think like for me it was like I didn't really have like mountains or like a really er- rich urban area and so a lot of like creativity and art for me was like led up to my imagination um do you guys feel as if like the areas that you grow up in influence like the way you think about things now i definitely think it influences uh i guess from an outside perspective their work ethic like a midwestern work ethic for sure (laughs) yeah agreed and like the ethics that we i guess like take into the work are like very much influenced by that Mm -hmm. Yeah, I tell I tell my friends this all the time. Is like my I I think my parents like I I have like major respect for my dad now and like he but he was just like so hard on me even from like the little things of like when I would mow the grass when I was like eleven years old like I had to make sure it was like all perfect and like <laughs> if I like missed patches of grass or whatever he would mm-hmm. you know deduct like a dollar fifty cents off my pay and just wow. like really like That's teach really me harsh. to like you know <laughs> dial it all in and I'm I'm sure not everybody is like that but I think that was like a very Midwestern like blue collar mentality yeah, for and sure. you don't I don't say I like don't like to play into like West Coast stereotypes because everybody's like, oh, everybody like in L.A. is lazy or whatever. But like you do see a difference sometimes when like you don't have that privilege growing up all the time, you know. Yeah, you see the people around you working harder just to live. So that influences the way that you work the rest of your life. I know for me that I grew up around a lot of older people. I didn't grow up around people that were my age. So that's really bled into a lot of the clients that I uh, seek out. I I tend to offer services for, you know, older people that may not be able to communicate with some of the people who are running technology these days um, yeah. just because they didn't grow up and around it. So I think that influenced myself. Hmm. That's super interesting. I think we talk a lot about how it influences our style and stuff, but actually thinking about how it influences the way we think about what we're doing and like our ethics and stuff like that that's super interesting yeah i would i would say that and, and you know from an outside perspective it might be totally different but i would say like it, it doesn't influence as much the work that i do as much as the work um the, the way it's produced and how we communicate mm-hmm. to our clients and to other people about it i think that mm-hmm. um i'm definitely uh i have a, a kind of a problem with being uh I guess I don't want to say overly nice. It's just like almost, <laughs> almost like too, uh, too like 
I guess too nice is, is how it, it comes across. Um, and uh, also being overly wordy, I think, is something mm. that um, I grew up with because my, my mom was an English teacher. And um, I think that uh, that environment made me um, feel that way. And so we kind of brought it into how we talk about business. And there's pros and cons to that. Um, mm. It's not always good and it's not always bad. But, yeah, I think um, – I would say that in in a weird way, I would say that um, from my perspective, where Ian grew up influences the work he's done in a pretty big way. That's that's my opinion. Um, you wanna explain? Well, that? yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, and and it's almost it's actually um, it's almost to my previous point. The the people that we work with, one of our first clients, I think. Maybe maybe the first maybe the actually. first yeah, yeah. Um, is a uh, a really small coffee shop in Virginia, um, like an hour from Roanoke. It's uh, f- yeah yeah I mean basically yeah. for it's like forty five minutes. It's a one stoplight town yeah. in Virginia named Floyd. Uh, their biggest claim to fame, probably to millennials, is like a music festival called Floyd Fest. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you've never heard of that, you've never heard of Floyd, probably. <laughs> Yeah. So we, uh, I, I think that Ian can maybe elaborate more on how they met. But the, the basically, the first thing we did together was an e-commerce site for this coffee shop. They're called Red Rooster, um, and uh, the way we sort of designed it was we we had to be really careful not to uh, freak people out with with some styles and things they hadn't seen before um because yeah. like to give you a little bit of insight on this town like we went to um i was staying with ian one one week and we went to go take pictures of the staff for the website and uh after we were done it was about five o'clock on a friday and the whole town came out and started just playing bluegrass music on the town <laughs> like main drag of the town <laughs> It's the jamboree. Yeah, they have it every Friday night. Every Friday night, and so like that's the that's the vibe of the town. Everyone knows everybody, and we knew that if we um, came out of the gate with a website that we thought was super cool and pushing the envelope, it wouldn't resonate with any of their actual customers. And mm-hmm. the the whole point of it was to keep who they had and get more. And so um, because of that, and then because of they they have a sister tea brand that we uh, actually worked on earlier this year. Um, I think our, the style that we sort of started with um, and the projects that we launched earliest on were sort of very much influenced by Virginia, which is is funny uh, as someone who helped design those things. Um, it was definitely inherent in the in the styles. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's always like an interesting thing too to talk about is like trying to like really wrap your head around the audience that you're making things for, like designing things for. Uh, I thought it was interesting how you talked about like we you probably wanted to like create some sort of like breakthrough website or something that would be really cool and you realize like at the end of the day it's not really that probably wouldn't be beneficial to them right (laughs) i think a lot of our growing pains this year have been surrounded by uh the difference in clients that all three of us are bringing into Mm. the table Hmm. um for myself it's been that side of things where it's like uh, the things that Gary and Ian may be proposing aren't necessarily the fit for yeah. mm-hmm. the smaller clients that I'm bringing in. And then I'm having to expand myself to learn how to propose for budgets that are higher <laughs> and more uh, fun to work within. <laughs> Coastal elites, I guess. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. Um, 
can you guys talk about maybe, I guess, as like we're focusing on just kind of entrepreneurship and you guys are, are pretty new to this. So some of these memories um, will probably be pretty fresh to you is uh, what is some of your like really humble beginnings look like? Like I want like, not to, that we want to hear like the, Oh yeah, we were like just two people working in a garage or whatever, like every store in Silicon Valley. But um, like what were maybe some of those things that you guys were going through that helped you learn a lot? I think this year uh, we've been like, I don't know. We all psychoanalyze ourselves all the time. And uh, one thing that we've been talking about is like how this year looks in summary um, at the end of the year. And we haven't reached that yet, but I don't know. Uh, it's it's like Garrett, uh, a lot of his past work is, is taking on, taking on, um, you know, art and, and album cover and poster projects for artists that may not have a lot of money. And one really, I, I guess, like peculiar tidbit that's happened this year is that like we've had projects where we charge six figures and we've had projects where we charge literally nothing or like $100 or something for an entire project. We, mm. we shot a music video pro bono earlier this yeah. year, that, but yeah. I'm, for I'm still I'm still editing it. I'm going very slow. And, and like, it's always the it's always those projects that linger on the longest, isn't it? Of yeah. course. And like I, I don't know, may, maybe it's not like a humble beginning because I mean we've had a lot of success this year, and we've you know been able to like you know allow three people and now four we have a part time employee to exist in New York City in a single year, but. I don't know. Like we've been thinking a lot about, uh, you know, like there's a disparity in our client base, but also like it can be kind of a positive that like you give access to, you know, a, a you know, graphic design studio, like capital graphic design studio um, mm -hmm. to, you know, to people who may not get that same access uh, because an agency might have like a minimum or like, you know, a mm -hmm. type of client that they want to work with. Uh, so I don't know that like humble beginnings is like, it might be a misnomer because like we're still there and we mm -hmm. still like take humble projects on. Like we just wrote a proposal for one last week that's like tiny and like, I don't know. It's it's an everyday thing, I guess. Yeah, our first yeah. year is just that's... starting to come to a close. But I, so I feel like we're starting to come out of the beginning and yeah. mm -hmm. we've all been working part-time jobs as, as well as opening the studio. Um, not part-time jobs, but part-time projects with yeah. other mm -hmm. studios. So mm -hmm. I worked part-time at my last uh, small studio job for the first six months of the year before we took on that client base um, that mm -hmm. I was working with. And yeah, Garrett worked at a studio part of the time for this yeah yeah we, first year it, it i would took I, a contract a long-term contract job that's still going on i'm i'm pleased to say that we all are a hundred percent focused on the studio which i think i'm on from the inside i'm not really clear if that comes across or not from our limited like internet presence but it's it's a accomplishment of mine personally that we, we mm. pay all the bills at least to most sure. most of them <laughs> um by just all working together the the whole time but um yeah, yeah we the the path really started about last like almost a year ago exactly when the beginnings of all of this really came together um and i mean i had just left a job and hope was um i mean i i would almost say that for the last year or so part of your goal was hopefully to take on the business you were 
working with, right, Hope? Right. I was at a point with my last job where I was either ready to qu- quit or or take on those clients myself. I didn't realize that was an option. Well, and the, the interesting thing about it is it sounds um, – I mean, you can describe it more. It was just one guy that you were working with. Yeah, the last uh, studio I worked with was just one guy who ran, you know – me and another person building websites out of his apartment in Washington mm. Heights. <laughs> nice. <laughs> with uh, with almost no air conditioning. No air conditioning. <laughs> oh, um, no. Pressure is on. Yeah. But he was just super nice, and I learned a lot from working with him for two and a half years on how to run the the uh, behind the scenes of a, biz- of a business and how to interact with your clients and um, for sure. keep them. So... Yeah. yeah, I think I, I've i only worked in really small design studios as well. And I think, like, obviously what comes with that is wearing, you know, 10 different hats. You're communicating with the client. You're doing project management. You're doing all of that, where I think I really would have missed out on a lot of that if I was only in larger agencies. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure you learned so much just working with this guy that is that you've been able to bring into the studio now that's, like, not necessarily your job title, but is a huge asset because you've been – up there in the front lines. Oh, exactly. I've been working really closely with him over the past year and um, just seeing all the ways that he handles things and then getting ideas about how, you know, I could handle those differently and more effectively. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that transition just took place uh, at the beginning of September. So we're just now settling into this client base. And that's really nice. Nice. So. One of the things I'm interested to hear from you guys is uh, you guys were all doing separate things but came together. How did you guys divvy up roles? Um, did you, is something you guys discussed before coming together or <laughs> something you guys did organically as is, you kind of continued? And is that something that you guys still struggle with now? Like, I'd be interested to hear that too. You know, I think that the only place that – I wouldn't even say struggle. I think the place where we're open to shifting is um, – our roles beyond sort of our primary ones. I think it was very clear when we started um, how to divvy up what we actually do day by day. Um, I'm the I'm the only one of the three who is uh, not a web developer. Um, so I'm purely a designer and I can write maybe a line of CSS with some Google help. Um, <laughs> and so that was sort of a no brainer. Um, and then I think that from, at least from my perspective, um, Hope and Ian are both, they're both web developers, but very, um, very honed in, in different ways. Um, for instance, Hope comes from a, a WordPress development background. Um, and Ian is more of our, um, Shopify and, uh, sort of special projects, um, developer. But the, the thing that we've been, I think, pleasantly surprised by is our willingness just amongst the three of us to, uh, step into additional roles, um, because I think uh, that's something that's really necessary when it's three people that are doing 100% of the work. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for instance, uh, we we have this kind of weird nomenclature where everyone's like the, the X guy, like Ian's the money guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, Hope has sort of stepped into this really interesting uh, human resources project manager web development combo that is <laughs> both breathtaking and incredibly fun to watch because um, – 
I don't think I've ever seen anyone juggle that many things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I tend, as I mentioned earlier, I tend to be the one that talks the most. <laughs> which is it, which is uh, you need that person. It's you gotten me. Person. It's gotten me in trouble. Is but that it's also clear been yet? Of the three of us, That's honestly, figuring out those roles that aren't necessarily your primary role are like this past year when we sold our first magazine, I was somehow placed in front of placed with all of the money stuff. Yeah, that and was that a is horrible not, idea. <laughs> like I don't know how many we've sold, like what, where this money is, like. It, it was a mess. So yeah, I'd, and say, then we need to, I'd say we fell ahead. into our roles pretty naturally. Um, yeah, we all I mean, I really enjoy helping people and figuring out solutions to people's problems. Ian's, I wouldn't say you enjoy the money stuff, but you can't not think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. there's a my, difference. My anxiety gives me yeah, superpowers. I, I, I think guess. that all of us, uh, there's a difference between liking uh, and being passionate about something and um, not being able to sleep if you don't do that thing. Um, and uh, we all have that. Um, and Ian's is, is certainly the financial side. Um, I mean, I, that was my problem. Eats. I just didn't yeah. think about yeah. it ever. Well, I feel like the reason that happened is because I moved and then like we were still printing out of a printer in Chicago. So everything just ended up coming to your house and you're like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> it's fine. It taught me a lot. I grew. I'm yeah, a better person. And now you won't be handling that part. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's good to uh to figure out what you can't do <laughs> right true yeah i i feel like we because we kind of we kind of operate that same way too like abraham just has like this awesome like big agency experience that neither mckenzie or i have and so i think he has like a better grip on like how rfps are handled and like statements of work and just like really he's like abe, and abe maybe you can speak a little bit more on this but you've just seen a lot of money move probably more than uh, mckenzie and i have um and then like for me, like I, I, Garrett. To be fair, I'm I'm you in this situation. I I talk too much probably. Um, and then Mackenzie's just an like, amazing like creative and designer, and really kind of helps like move the agenda forward on on branding and stuff. So I think like, and and this kind of transitions into another question too. Is like we, this is something that I've always been curious of. Is people ask us all the time, and me and Abraham is full time freelance, but Mackenzie and I both work at studios. Um, but people ask me all the time, is like, do you ever want to be freelance and I just don't have like a lot of interest in handling all the roles. Like I'd rather just like lean into my friends um, and feel better about the work uh, with people that I trust. And so for you guys, like, did you, was there ever a battle of like you wanting to work independently or would you just much rather work with Ian and like, would you guys all just rather work together as opposed to just like kind of taking on things yourself? We wouldn't exist without each other. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't want to be the first one to say it, but I think that um, uh, we've become a bit um, interdependent on each other to, com- <laughs> to complete any project at all. It really yeah. requires 100% of everyone's thought capacity mm. to just get something out the door. Um, and I think from a purely technical side, um, these two are the, I mean, I, I can get a little like sentimental, but these two are the best developers that I've ever worked with. And I think that um, it would be a huge bummer to to go try to find that somewhere else. Totally. That's really cool. Um, one of the first things that I noticed about you guys and your body of work was you guys have stuff from like all across the board from your album artwork, which is amazing to like these super fun interactive websites and like poster design and app and all of this stuff. So as this is like your first year and you're looking back at your body of work, are you 
feeling like you wanted to just cast the net super wide and do whatever? Or do you see your guys like eventually narrowing into one thing or like variety kind of where you guys want to stay? I think that at least on a, for me, I would probably get bored if we were super honed into something. Um, mm -hmm. I would go out on a limb if you guys agree and say that as a rule, websites and the digital landscape are where we're generally headed. Um, we've been trying to move more into the e-commerce um, side of things uh, this year, and, and that's actually something that both Ian and I came uh, from specific backgrounds on. Like, that was both of our last positions was, was in a, a shop that did m mostly e-commerce work. Um, but I don't know. I'm I actually, like, what do you... I don't think we've talked about this necessarily. We we always talk about whether or not we have a focus, and we sort of uh, psychoanalyze ourselves on that. But <laughs> I think our focus is our clients yeah. and what they mm -hmm. need, right. and um, we're here to surface them and figure out the solutions to their their problems. They've come to us for a reason, so mm -hmm. uh, I kind of feel like it would be not within our ethics to turn people away for something if they wanted a business card design and we said no we mm. only do your e-commerce <laughs> right that's yeah. just sure. that's that feels wrong to to me i wouldn't be surprised if we did end up staying with e-commerce at some point but at in general that's that's the way i feel about it yeah, that's interesting because I feel like at the end of the day, like design studios or creative studios are still service-based, you know, companies. Like we're here to service the needs of client as opposed to like, we're not like, and I guess a lot of people do do this or, you know, there's different takes and directions on this. But in my personal opinion, I just feel like we're not built to like, just be like product-based. Like we only make this type of thing. Like we only design websites or we only do photo shoots or we only make videos. And I think that's like, that's okay to some extent, but I guess um, hope to your point, it's it's really interesting to to think about it in that way, where it's like it would it would be a disservice to people that are coming to us and to ourselves to just turn people away when we have the solutions to maybe some of their issues that they're looking for, you know? Right, and that's not to say that people who are very one focused on one thing are doing it wrong, but correct for ourselves. Yeah, I don't I don't think we like because our backgrounds are so varied, and because we don't have one skill set like. I mean, we've all developed, the three of us have all developed websites. We've all designed websites. We've all done photo shoots in some capacity for an e-commerce site or for a site in general. Like, I, I mm -hmm. think for some studios or some freelancers or some companies, like having that focus is just like because they have one skill set and we don't. And I think, you know, it's like twofold, like we cast a wide net because we want to stay alive. And we also cast mm. a wide net because like we're all designer developer people or like artist designer people or like photographer designer artist developer people. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't. And I feel like yeah. sometimes like the smaller, maybe low budget or like random projects that come in are usually ones that, you know, you can be super creative and have this creative freedom. Like the work you guys do on album covers is so, so cool. So like, it would be a shame if you guys were like, no, we're only a digital design studio. Right. We're not going to do that. Like it just creates this like variety and space for you guys to kind of like play around with this different way of showing imagery. Hmm. 
I think that also plays into the reason why we would accept certain projects. That reason is always varied. Sometimes it's because Garrett needs to design a poster. <laughs> yeah, there's the, there's he a, just has the urge. No, there's, yeah. there's definitely uh, there's there's a moment if I haven't designed uh, an album cover in a while where I get kind of grumpy and they'll and hope and Ian'll be like, maybe you should talk to whatever band you were talking to last again. Ian and Hope are in the back listening to each other, being like, I think we need to get Garrett. Yeah, no, yeah. it's like, it's yeah, like, it, yeah, like either he's hungry or like, he yeah, hasn't it's like done a Snickers commercial, yeah. except it's a like low Amazing. budget poster yeah. or album I, artwork. Yeah, low budget yeah. album artwork. <laughs> yeah, right. I would, yeah, I, videos. people have asked us what our lowest budget project has been. Um, and I've, I've done work for zero dollars this year a, a lot, probably in the past month. Wow. Um, and uh, but again, as Ian said, we've also been really fortunate and really, um, I guess, blessed to do some some large projects. As Garrett's well. dad is our accountant. Yes, his name is Brent, and he has a <laughs> saying that really stuck with me. He said this early in the year, but he was like, "It doesn't really matter what you charge any given client. Like if you have like a minimum rate or like a minimum project budget, it all goes out. It all comes out in the wash. And if you like." I don't know if you survived and you're comfortable in the amount that you worked and the amount that you got paid, then there's no reason to like say no to one thing because it was free hmm. or say no to one thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's interesting. Cause at the end of the day, the, the numbers all boil down to whatever they're going to be. Right. Yeah. It is. And, and I mean that, that can be a really slippery slope too. I know that I have just because I know Ian and I for, for sure hope has been um, intentionally, logged off of a lot of design banter online but there's always there's always that conversation that's happening about like should you do pro bono work why should you do pro bono work should you only accept this kind of work or this kind of budget and um the second that you take an aside on that like you definitely open yourself up to to people who take the other side um Mm -hmm. and i think it it's it's a really really tough issue because i would never want to suggest to anyone um, that they should uh, not take themselves seriously and how much they're worth um, in their own practice because um, th- what we do is, while it's um, uh, not manual labor necessarily, I think what we do has a really important skill set in both giving people a voice and also solving their problems. And so that's worth a lot. Um, and so it's, yeah, I, I guess I'm just trying to say that like while, while we um, are not while we're open to all sorts of projects, I think it's important to um, be aware of what you need and and ask for that. Agreed. Um, We actually, I had a client, um, we actually just put up his site last week. um, And uh, it was a a relatively low budget project um, for a really, really awesome guy. um, And uh, we were talking about what to do after the site launched. And, um, you know, part of what, can sustain a, a design practice really well is the idea of maintenance and going on retainer to keep things looking good and moving smoothly. And um, I was talking about that with him, and I sent him a number that I was a little worried about. I had tied it to very specific amounts of hours based on actual time tracking that we had done. Um, so the number was very accurate, if, if not potentially a little low. And um, I sent that to him, and I was really, really worried because it was a, a large number. Um, and uh, I got on the phone call with him next the, the week after, and I was like, you know, in my typical like anxiety-inducing way, I was like, was was everything okay <laughs> with that number? Like, are you like comfortable with that? And he was like, um, 
I always tell he he says I always tell my kids this always ask for what you need and don't be afraid to ask for what you need um and uh it was it was just it was great to hear from a client that because you normally (laughs) get the opposite right while giving a number yeah so good yeah yeah Yeah. go ahead yeah I think I think it's always best to like not be shy and give exactly what you're gonna need to execute and be able to live off of that and then always like even if it's no matter how cool a project is be able to cut back and give yourself that wiggle room because so many times people start low and clients always like to get a good deal or feel like they get a good deal um so then you end up cutting back a little bit more and and you 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 end up being in this like bundle where you're just like either short for time or short on resources and just anxiety all around and and so i think (laughs) it's anxiety There's this thing that I learned about at the beginning of the year, and I don't know how much of a thing it is, if it's like a proverb or whatever, but uh, my friend Matt um, from Virginia, I've worked with him a bunch over the past couple of years, but he told me about this thing called the orange juice test. So like the this money conversation also, also applies to time. It also applies to like other resources that you like need to complete a project. Hmm. And... Are, are any of you familiar with something called the orange juice test? No. I'm not. I've never heard of that. So um, I'm probably butchering this, but this is the version <laughs> that I have in my head. We wouldn't know the difference. And <laughs> it's like this version in my head has been really helpful to me. Uh, it's like <laughs> about asking for what you need. But like there's this question, like there's this scenario, right, where a company is having a conference or something at a hotel and uh, they're having it in like the main auditorium room or like the main like big open room area with a bunch of tables. And they ask the hotel, like, we want, uh, you know, fresh squeezed orange juice on every seat on every table. And it's like, you know, it's an absurd number. And, uh, you know, it's like, I don't know, like you just make up an absurd number and that's the number, like a thousand seats or something. A thousand. And, and, they're like, and the company's like, and you can't do... You can't do store-bought. It has to be fresh squeezed. It has to be squeezed right before, like right right at breakfast. Like it has to be that way. And it's like an absurd ask. And this orange juice task is a way of calibrating how someone who's like in a service industry is like going to respond to a question that you have or like a request that you have. And so you could answer, yeah, sure, we'll do it. Uh, no extra charge. Like, uh, you know, we'll just do it. And then there's another answer that's like, we can't do it. There's no way it can be done. It's impossible. You can't do that given the amount of seats. And then the third answer is, yes, we can do it, but we need this much more time or we need this much more money Mm. or like it can't, like we have to do it the night before and like bottle it. It'll be like kind of fresh squeezed. Uh, And and the the three different answers are indicative of how you are actually going to run your business or like run a service and the one that's like yeah we'll do it whatever uh that's indicative of someone or a group that is inexperienced in in what it actually takes to squeeze five thousand seats of orange juice Mm -hmm. uh the person that can't squeeze the orange juice is probably not the right fit and the person that can but needs extra stipulations, they're giving you those stipulations for a reason because they need them. Mm. I feel like there's so many. Um, that's like the second like um, comparison I've had somebody tell me about like 
creative services compared to a restaurant. Like people always talk about like a lot of times when clients are over controlling on the creative, it's like them walking to the kitchen telling the chef exactly what to make um, as opposed to just sitting and ordering something off the menu. Oh, that's funny. Um, which might be a little bit different, but that's, that's a super interesting way of looking at it as well. Like you kind of measure off like what are the choices I'm making here and what are, what am I losing here? What am I gaining in each one? And it is like a really good measure of understanding like a your maturity and and be just kind of like understanding the landscape of what's being asked of you yeah but yeah um cool man um this is like a kind of another question that we are curious about too is um kind of in the landscape of like advertising and creative services where it's been dominated predominantly by um super large agencies people that have thousands and thousands of employees in multiple offices um, what advantages do you feel as if y'all have had, um, being small and a little bit more fluid, um, through intimate experiences? Um, how do you see that evolving? Do you see like more brands coming to smaller studios for work or do you guys ever get scared that like, maybe we'll just never measure up to those studios or do you even want to measure up to those studios? Kind of curious as to what you guys think of that landscape. Yeah, that one is, uh, that's sort of another thing that we think about a lot. I, I would say that None of us came from a really, really, really large agency background. Um, Hope and I both worked at an ad agency that was at its, it, it had a couple of different like arms to the agency, but uh, the one we worked at was maybe 20 to 30 people and that was the biggest. Um, and I think that there's a couple of case studies that um, at least in the New York area are really interesting to me and, and they sort of feel like signs of the way the industry is going. Um, there is a studio up here called Grand Army. Um, they're really good, um, but I think they were maybe under 10 people for a while, and they may have gone above that. But uh, they just rebranded KFC a couple years ago. Whoa. Um, Dang. And then there's another studio that I actually got the chance to meet them called um, Violet Office, um, and they do a lot of motion graphics work. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Vivo, like the music channel yeah, yeah it, oh yeah they yeah, were yeah. they were real big in uh in the food court at the mall back in springfield missouri um oh yeah um but they they rebranded that and they were just two guys and so i think that small studios have a chance to offer different opinions um because nothing really goes through any sort of focus testing um mm-hmm. or not that that's a bad thing but i think that um i've seen ideas go you put the front on the back and the back on the front by the time the meeting ended and um if you have a core group of people that are really passionate about one specific idea it's a little bit easier to present it in a coherent way without um maybe getting getting diluted by something else um but i think that there's a lot of things that a small studio and and you guys can you may want to chime in i think there's a lot of things that a small studio is uh not particularly well set up for and I think that there's that's something to be considered as well I think that um we work a lot with with an a studio in town that's not necessarily that much bigger than ours but they have their resources allocated in a different way more towards branding and strategy and um Mm -hmm. we've been working with them on and off on various websites for their clients and every time they send me a strategy deck it just blows me away because it's it's work that I just don't think we have the capacity to do. Um, they have dedicated people who sit with a client for six hours and really put together a really comprehensive tone of voice and set of guidelines and, and all this stuff for clients. And I just think that um, 
different studios have different strengths. And I think the more people you have, sometimes that means the more amount of strengths in different areas you can get. Um, but I also, yeah, to, to, to the original point, I think that um, smaller can be better. I don't know that I necessarily see the landscape shifting one way or the other. Um, mm -hmm. But that is also because I, in the large grand scheme of things, I'm relatively young and our studio is relatively young, so we may not have a ton of context on how it was 10, 20 years ago. Right. Do you guys uh, see yourselves growing? Like, do you guys feel like three is like your number? You feel like really good in that? I guess you guys just hired someone else part-time, but how big do you see yourselves growing? Do you want to stay pretty small? I think we're constantly recalculating that question um mm -hmm. yeah we just hired our first person for uh part-time development so we're working on growing his role to full-time and i would be cautious to put limits on anything whether it be yeah. small or large right i'm not sure Abe, what is Abe, what is your uh, thoughts on, because we talk about this all the time, when you were at Basic Agency in San Diego and at Richard's Group, I feel like you have a really good understanding of what it looks like when agencies scale. Yeah, so I went from working at an agency of over 700 employees to going to an agency that was, I was like the 24th employee. Um, and then I saw like with within the matter of like a few weeks, uh, we pitched and won a client that doubled the agency size. Um, That's exciting. So, and and we beat <laughs> and we beat like really big agencies like you know uh, Mammoth, uh, huge um, like AKQA, like you name it. Uh, and it showed me something pretty interesting that while like large agencies do have um, like a lot of resources and are very organized and have withstood you know time and proven themselves. One thing that they lacked is um, they were very top heavy and not everybody was involved. They would often uh, deviate the the group to not their best people just because they had so many other accounts that they were trying to like take care of or keep happy or right. whatever. And and like the smaller kind of more scrappy hungry agency had every single person, you know, from the owner involved and uh, you know was, they were just hungrier and. Um, offered fresher perspective because they were all collaborative and had every voice in that room. Um, and I see kind of like that kind of shift over time is like, regardless of the sizes, the hungrier kind of like more driven people, regardless of numbers is, is what's going to win. Um, and because you see it over time, like the, the Mad Men era, just, it's kind of a myth nowadays. The big mm -hmm. agencies are just struggling. It's kind of really hard to, to just be able to be the agency to do everything for everybody. Hmm. It's a lot more niche driven. If, I, if you know, Yeah, I don't think we, I think, we, yeah, hope is correct. Uh, we, we talk about our size and our goals all of the time. And this kind of might stem from, I guess, how many hats we wear. And like, even before this career choice, how many hats we wore in previous jobs um but i don't think any of the problems that come with a, like a massive agency sound like problems that i want to be dealing with on an everyday basis <laughs> like we have our own problems from being so small like our capacity is a huge problem like w we get tapped out really quickly like i i can only really work on one to two to three 
projects at a time. Same with Garrett, same with Hope. Hmm. And that is a problem that I think we're trying to solve, you know, like maybe, maybe getting, you know, higher dollar projects so that we can work on less at a given time. But like, I don't know the, the idea of getting so massive that like your minimum is like six figures and like, you just have to be working Mm -hmm. on these like huge, boring, massive (laughs) rollouts that are like. Yeah, they're they're like it's so they they like Garrett mentioned earlier they like have gone through so many like filters that they're just like they're not pleasing anyone in particular they're pleasing everyone right. mildly, you know. Yeah, and I think that's that's almost agnostic from the size. Um, I think that it it is due to a size issue, but I think that there's one overarching sort of goal, which is how excited and how. Um, informed and how well you bring an idea to a client. Um, Mm. And I think that from my perspective in some of the larger places I've worked was that you tend to go through a few hoops before anything does make it to the person it's intended for. And I Mm. think that when that happens, you have the potential to lose some of the magic of it that may or may not have ever made it out because there's always that chance that you bring something to a client and they absolutely hate it. But there's an equal chance that you bring something to an internal meeting and someone in your team hates it, but the client would have loved it. And I think that mm. when you start adding people and adding meetings and adding barriers, um, you run the risk of losing some of that. Yeah, I think our limit would mm-hmm. be when we can't be personal with the client exactly. anymore. Yeah, right. Or like with ourselves. I don't ever want to not know somebody that we work with. That sounds insane to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was interesting when you said it was interesting when you said you were working on two clients and it was almost like a problem. But to me, at one point in my career, that would be like a luxury because I was spread thin around like, you know, maybe over like seven to 10 clients. And it was just like you would almost forget you know, um, like what, what, who is the target audience for this brand that I'm speaking to? Or, you know, <laughs> just like things that you should never forget. Um, like, because you were just so spread thin. And um, I, I think you'd almost, it was like a luxury to just be like, man, I could just really just master this. Um, that would be so great. Yeah. I think that runs danger too, because if we spread ourselves so thin, it's like, we're, are we truly giving our best to the specific client at hand when I'm just trying to get this deck done or whatever in the next two hours so I can move on to the next one for a meeting and um, kind of like creates that perspective on herself too is like, am I really truly giving my best work to the person that's at hand? And that goes back to the whole like service-based thing too is like, am I being the best I can be for this client? Um, which is also just something interesting to think about. Yeah, I think the personal uh, connection with the client also plays into how excited you get about the project. So right. uh, as the agency mm-hmm. grows and you become more disconnected from the actual client, you get less excited about it. And that's that's natural. And so I, I really enjoy being with it from beginning to end mm-hmm. and talking with those clients and meeting them and learning why they're excited about their product or their brand yeah. and what they're offering that's different and why they're excited. And that gets us excited, I think. Mm, that's cool. that's definitely a, when we keep talking about the concept of different hats. Um, that's very strongly one of Hope's hats is this like very intense desire to to be with the client every step of the way. And I think that's something that we all share. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think also the concept of being spread so thin can apply to small studios too. I know that in the short time we've been open, we've all had those nights where we're like, this is a stupid amount of work. Why did we do this to ourselves? And um, <laughs> the sweet spot is finding whatever that is. Yeah. It's cool, man. Ian, Ian right now is, is mouthing the words right now. Um, <laughs> we are very, it's like, that's what I'm going through right we are, now. <laughs> we are currently very busy. Nice. Well, I guess we, um, I guess we shouldn't hold you guys to <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Immediately after this, we have to present something on a Sunday and night. thank you for listening to this. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Abe and I were actually like finishing up a, a deck for like a proposal for a project this morning. And we were like, man, like this stuff never ends. Like it really is never Monday through Friday. And I'm sure you guys are experiencing the same thing too in the early stages of like, and that, maybe that's another question too, as we start to wrap up is like, I mean, I don't know how to phrase this differently other than every other podcast that says, how do you balance work and life? But um, I just feel as if there's, um, for us, like when we work on mouthwash, like outside of our normal jobs, it's like, it doesn't really feel like work for us. So a lot of people are always like, why are you guys like always working on stuff? Like, what are you doing? We're like, I I don't know what else I'd be doing in this time anyways, um, other than just like, you know, hanging out with friends or whatever. But um, do you guys find it easy to, is it, does it, do you guys even question whether or not like, oh man, maybe I should not work tonight or what does work-life balance look for you guys, especially in New York where that culture is a little bit more difficult, I feel like too. I think it's changed for us. Like Garrett mentioned that like we've all worked with each other for a couple of years now, but like on, like formally under this name full-time this year. So in previous iterations of working together, like we were working together in off hours, like always. Mm-hmm. Like we had a full-time thing that like was paying bills and then we did this on the side because we weren't fulfilled with the work being done full-time. And mm-hmm. now that it's transitioned so that that work is taking the place of nine to five, mm-hmm. I think we're all like desperately trying to only work nine to five. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, it has changed. Like it's changed from, it's changed from like wanting to work outside of the bounds of like a normal work week to like wanting to shove every fun thing that we possibly can and still make rent within Hmm. an appropriate amount of hours in a week. And like, I definitely think we've gotten better at it throughout the year. We're still really bad at it. I was just working like before the podcast started uh, this afternoon. Um, there, there are days that like that happens, but like, I don't know. I think we're getting better at like estimating deadlines, estimating like, the way things overlap with each other when projects drag and like, I don't know, like it's definitely a goal of ours to like consistently work a amount that is like an amount we've worked in a previous full-time job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, having gone from wanting to work after hours together uh, to being uh, working together on normal hours, we're less reluctant to work overtime when we have to. Mm. So that's a positive, I think, for us in in changing the way that we're working together. But it is an adjustment trying to figure out how to have a weekend. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I feel like especially with you guys 
uh, being married and then all of you guys have working together on the side projects, like you said, I feel like that'd be hard to be like, okay, it's five o'clock. Let's go home. Yeah. Sometimes we're like, okay, business Garrett and business hope is over. It's hard. Yeah. Do you guys have like code words to like not or like stop having to talk about work? Oh, I don't even know. Do you? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, Smoke I think it's signals? kind of just like, okay, I really don't want to talk about yeah, this right now. No, uh, yeah, hope is definitely the one that I, will shut down any uh, inappropriate <laughs> oh, business conversation. I don't have a problem with uh, shutting She's like, shut up. Yeah. No, it, it's true. And then I think that, I mean, on a personal level, like I've had to literally try to re- rewire my brain into working an appropriate amount of time um, because I feel very anxious if I work a regular amount mm-hmm. of time. Um, and that's something that I've definitely struggled with this past year is is there's always times that one of us is really slammed and the others are, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say uh, free, but I would say less slammed. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's also difficult to tell when you should be working exactly. extra and when it's okay to mm, not yeah. do that. I think mm-hmm. that over the past couple of weeks, we've definitely been trying to work on, you know, like, okay, we're all in charge of our lives now. We're in charge mm. of uh, taking the time off to be with each other and our significant others because we are all friends outside of work as well. So we hang out after hours as well. Right. We have a group text it's... called All Right After Dark. I thought it was just emojis <laughs> now. I know, but it, but it means All Right After Dark. Update. That's what the emojis mean? It's... Yeah. I didn't like know a... that's what the emojis meant. There's an A. Were... There's like a spooky thing. I don't What is it? I just thought we chose some fun looking emojis no, for the, te- <laughs> the text chat. Yeah, and, and it's so refreshing to hear you guys say that because, I mean, we're all kind of going through the same thing. Like, yeah, we struggle with that. Yeah. We all work together and just, you know, have different things going on outside of mouthwash. So <laughs> it's just really refreshing to hear, you know, a group of three also be going through that. Yeah. Um, As we wrap up here, I have a couple quick questions. They don't have to be like super thoughtful or anything. But A, I love the name All Right Studio. Is there a place that that originated or was born from? I have I have an anecdote about it, but I... I don't actually know if it actually happened or if it was just going through my head. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But well, yeah, we do have a little bit of a, and and it actually sort of happened more than once. But when I quit my job, it was um, uh, we didn't have any savings or really anything <laughs> to say. Like there was no there was no reason to think that we would be okay after I quit my job. <laughs> like we were huh. just we were just sort of winging it. Amazing. And so the word all right sort of just came up as, you know, we're just gonna try this thing. Um and so that was how like the like all of us sort of being freelance at the same time happened. And then at the beginning of this year, this whole conversation we talked about a minute ago, um, about how we took on this this sort of extra set of business, uh we were just like, well, do we want this? And we were like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, we like, That's awesome. That I love name? it. Yeah. Right. When, it, when, it was just, right. when it was just Hope and I, we tried to name it after our cat, and that just didn't stick. <laughs> What's your name of your cat? Max. We just thought it, Max. like a Studio Max. Max would be a cool name. That's cool. Like maximum design power. Free studio. I just, love, I just love All Right because it's like the – it's almost like the feeling of like we definitely haven't arrived. Like we're – 
we're like still like trying and like figuring it out like that kind of thing yeah we there's this thing that we like make fun of other agencies for kind of like doing and like this like i don't know display of like like we're fucking awesome like (laughs) we do awesome work and there's like a bunch of zoomy like yeah it's like a full service digitally exactly and it's definitely indicative of like a smaller urban area versus like you know like the studios that come out of like new york and la which are like super obscure on purpose i don't know there's like a medium in there where we're just like all right we're just gonna like do the work and then go home. Amazing. <laughs> Love it. Y'all sound a lot like us. <laughs> um, cool. Well, as we wrap up, uh, I just want to give the audience, uh, first of all, thanks y'all for talking to us and big shout out to Bianca for like kind of organizing things as we were like figuring out schedules. Um, she's not here with us today, but um, I'd like to thank y'all thank for uh, kind of jump, jumping on and, and making it work and even going to the fullest extent of like getting an audio engineer and podcaster and like, that's awesome. <laughs> so fun. thanks y'all. Yeah. And, and big, yeah, yeah. big shout outs to our friend Callum, who is, He's I, right there. can we see him through the recording? Booth I can. We, we, we have a, um, we, we work out of a co-working space that has a podcast like booth, but um, it doesn't have any equipment and we were just going to set up a laptop in there. Um, but we worked with Callum on a couple projects and, and we were like, what if Callum can record us? That sounds great. And he was super into it. So thank you to him. Sick. Uh, his, his studio analog candle. I will plug it. Um, <laughs> nice. Please look them up. Yeah. Yeah. Send us the link too. So we can put it in the, in the description for real. Um, link in bio. Link in bio. You know where it's at. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, just for everybody listening, where can we find more about you y'all? And, um, cause you guys website's just kind of a landing page right now uh, and some other external links don't say just um, right now so we're gonna see how long right we can do that i really don't want a real website um yeah just find us on instagram yeah at all right yeah. dot studio uh, all right and then cool. what's our what's our twitter it's the know. same thing with just an underscore <laughs> yeah or, or, or the best place. just yeah. google just google we'll, amazing we cool um well it was a joy talking to y'all uh Kenzie, Abe, do you guys have anything else to say no, just thanks for um, thanks for hopping thank on. Thank you so much. Yeah, for thank you. This yeah, awesome. amazing. Thanks for having us. I feel like these podcasts for us keep going faster and faster because I'm like really dialed in. Like it felt like five minutes. I don't know about you guys. I don't, maybe you guys are like, I hope this is over. But no, <laughs> I was, thought it was great. I, it was nice. Yeah, it, this was amazing. Awesome, cool. Um, well, we visit New York sometimes, a couple times a year probably. Um, Mackenzie's moving out to LA soon, so if you guys are in town, let us know. Um, and if we're in town, we'll buy you lunch. Uh, if that's okay <laughs> with y'all. Um, but yeah, uh, you all can find more about All Right Studio uh, in the description below. Um, you also check out their work, uh, especially on Instagram. I think it's amazing. Um, I think we all think it's amazing. But yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the Mouthwash Podcast. For more information, you can follow us on social media or check us out at mouthwash.com.